All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to What's Your Story. So today's guest, someone I'm really close with, I think, at a deep level. Someone that I uh, I connect with, I think, because we both have a very similar mindset with a lot of things. I remember we uh, went did the Savage Race last year, and we, you know, the ride going up, just the hype up and build up of the race, the similar mindset that we had, talking about like David Goggins, and just I think we're both consistently very motivated to always try to get better and always push ourselves to be uncomfortable. And someone I talked to right before I got on just put me in a good mindset with a lot of changes going on in my life. And I think he's someone that a lot of you could really connect with and hopefully he'll inspire you and motivate you to just be better. He's someone that, you know, I met down at Springfield and he's doing a lot of things. He's always trying to improve. And I'm just excited for him to tell his story a little bit and just kind of hopefully get you guys to just keep going and always try to get better. So just kind of at this point, man, I want to welcome my buddy Alex to the show. Hi, hey, uh, hey Jeff. Thank you for having me. Uh, I've seen your show a bunch of times. I've been trying, I've been dying to get on, honestly. And you know, my schedule's been pretty busy, but uh, by the grace of God, Corona, you know, freed up so much more time for me to actually come on. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. No, it's funny. We've been trying to do it for like I feel like a year when I was doing like the Molten Mind Body podcast and trying to schedule something and. Uh, I'm excited that, you know, to get you on and talk a little bit. And I think we can go like into a pretty deep level of conversation where, you know, I'm excited to, you to tell your story, but also, you know, go into a lot of the mindset stuff that we've already been talking about. So uh, that being said, let's go to the beginning a little bit. Um, we met at Springfield, but before then, kind of growing up, what kind of kid were you? Were you more into the fitness stuff that you're kind of into now? Were you kind of more the introvert? Like growing up, what kind of kid were you? Um... I was I was a really shy kid. That's what I would say. That's probably the biggest thing I would, if I'm looking back on myself right now. I was a really, really shy kid. I um, I went through a foster care system. I got adopted when I was really young, uh, probably about eight years old. So I didn't have a ton of friends. So I was kind of more introverted for a little bit, being, you know, super shy. Um, and then going to high school is when I started, you know, blossoming a little bit. I joined um, a leaders club at a local YMCA. So that helped me out a lot, but um, I really was into football. So I couldn't, my dad wouldn't let me do it in middle school. I begged him until I was in high school. High school came along and I was able to play. And that, that kind of opened me up a little bit more because it's a team sport. Um, and that's when I really found out, like, I love sports. I was, um, my, my brothers actually described me as the kid who hated school, um, but not in the sense most people, like, look at. Like, I wasn't, like, screw class, like, I'm skipping. Like, I still did all my, all my work and stuff, but I never put in effort. You know, uh, all my effort was driven towards being good at football or being good at track and field or wrestling. Like that was like my drive. Like I woke up every day, like wanting to be, you know, an athlete. I didn't care for school. I didn't, I thought I saw no point to school. Like I hated it, you know? Um, but then as, as I grew up more, like I kept having sports around and I started working out more and then I really fell in love with just being at the gym and trying to look like Wolverine or the guys you see on the on the big screen like that's what I wanted to be you know um and that keeps me that keeps me going even today still um and then moving on to to my senior year I graduated left all that behind and by the time I was a senior I, I don't know who I was coming in as a freshman like I was out I was you know more extroverted and I hung out with a lot more people I made a lot more friends um I even did like um what's it called Mr. Westside um I know some schools have it um, but I basically put on like a talent show with a select few kids um, from like the football team and the cheerleading team. So that's what we did. And I got asked to do that. And I was like, sure. And that was nerve wracking, but I was like my big, you know, step out of my comfort zone. Um, and then joining the military was the next step after high school, you know, totally unplanned. That was like probably one of the more spontaneous things I've ever done in my life. I never thought about the military. I didn't even think about it. I didn't even know that was a possibility for me. I thought like, I kind of looked down on people who, who um, went into it because the kids I knew who really were all about the military, all, all they ever talked about was like hunting and being like a hillbilly. And I was like, that's not who I am. But little did I know it was a perfect fit for me going in. Um, and that was that changed my entire my entire life, basically, going down that path. Um, and I, was, I probably did nine months of training, joining the Marine Corps. So like three months of boot camp a year of like combat training i mean a month of combat training then three months of a specialty a specialty job and i've made like lifelong friends to that that i still talk to you know to this day 
Um, then I came to Springfield where, where I met you probably, I think it was my sophomore year. And I think you were a senior is where, yeah. is where I ended up meeting you. Yeah, yeah. I was like in the gym one day, I believe. This I think I think I recall this. I don't know if you can, but I was in the gym. I think I was doing like squats or something. I was like, it's the first time like doing back squats in a while. I was like, I, I don't know why my, it hurts to load the bar on my back. You know, like I could move the weight, but it was hurting. I was like, I looked over, I was like, this guy, I see him in the gym a lot. It's <laughs> like, right. hey, you, you want to come over here? You're, you know, a little bit bigger than you are now, you know, while you were still in the, you know. Oh, peak, yeah. I definitely building. dropped some weight since then. That's for sure. Big bodybuilding phase, you know. And I was like, hey, why, why does this, like, hurt when I put it on my back? Like, am I not big enough? Like, I can move the weight. And uh, you were just like, there's different levels to putting the bar on your back. You know, a high bar squat. You can do a low bar squat. And I was like, oh, all right, thanks, bro. Like, I think we'll right. go this out so i tried it out and I, I i was better for it um but i think that's the first time i actually like um like officially um met you like in person um yeah. that um but yeah I, I always saw you lifting like always doing deadlift always doing that like i was like oh he's the biggest man in the gym every time i see him like he's always got every plate you know in the gym <laughs> that was my first encounter with you um but now um being that shy little kid that kind of it's like I'm still like, who is that kid? You know, I kind of, I kind of look back and I'm like, the, you know, the little me would be very proud of where I've come and that I'm not that shy kid anymore. If anything, I'm kind of like the total opposite. Like I don't care, you know, whether I'm the center of attention or, you know, go out to dinner by myself or go to a concert by myself, which I actually recently did this past October. I've done that twice, I believe, um, and it was a great experience. I've learned that, you know. Life is way more fun outside of your comfort zone than um, people think. And it is scary, but after you do it once or twice, you kind of get addicted to, like, for me, it's kind of an, an adrenaline rush. Like, oh, I haven't done this yet. Might as well do it. You know, nothing changes if nothing changes. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's so cool just the, like, I even learned a couple of things I didn't realize about you from, you know, growing up with the, the foster home to, you know, or getting, you know, everything that you basically went through um, growing up when you started to build confidence, it seems like you started off that shy kid, like you said, and then you start to build confidence, start to feel better, went into the military. Do you think the fitness was part of that? Like finding yourself through that, or was it more of just like pushing yourself to be uncomfortable? Like you went into the military, like, did you just go into the military? Cause it was something different or you just, cause you said it was very sporadic for the moment. What was the reasoning behind jumping in the military from going kind of the sports background was it kind of your clueless you didn't really want or what, what was that kind of transition point um well to answer your question just before that my uh yes getting into the gym is kind of where i found myself and i was like i love this i love because i'm a short dude you know and like people kind of overlook you when you're short so i was like if i if i beef up people will take me more serious um right. so that's kind of where my confidence kind of grew from there like i'm a little dude but if we go to the gym right now i'm pretty sure i'm stronger than you so that was kind of my driving factor but the military, yeah, it was very sporadic. I went, so I remember this, like my brother went off, uh, I have a twin, so he went off to do something. I didn't really know what he was doing. And it was like, um, I think back in March of 2014, I believe. And I was just sitting on the couch and my brother comes back and he's like, oh, I'm going to join the military. I'm like, what? What? Like he asked my dad for his, like, I need you because at the time we were 17 and he asked him for like, I, I just need to grab a couple things that I didn't, I didn't, um, he didn't grab them. I think he was looking for the army office, but they were closed. I think it was a weekend and the Marine Corps was open. So he went to the Marine Corps and next thing you know, he's going to, he's about to sign up. And then I, my dad's like, Oh, go talk to them. Maybe they'll be good for school. And like, I, I didn't care at this point. I was like a rebellious kid. I was like, I didn't need my parents. And I, uh, later on in life, I realized I don't ever, I didn't need them probably time, time I was 15, but that's a later story. Um, but yeah, I was, he was like, go, um, <clears throat> it'll be good. Like, maybe they'll help you with school. Like, just see. And I was like, oh, just to shut them up. You know, sometimes you do that as a kid. You're like, fine, I guess I'll do it. So you go. I went. I, my brother drove us to the um, recruiter's office. I went. Um, my brother was like, oh, this is uh, Sergeant Hugs and this is Sergeant So-and-So. And I'm like, oh, how you doing, gentlemen? Nice to meet you. Like, this is cool. Um, and they started talking to me like, hey, you want to join? I was like, no, I'm just here because my dad told me to come. So like, you know, kind of back off type of deal. Um, but they were like talking about it. And as they talked, like everything they were saying was kind of like, um, was cool. Like I thought, oh, this is pretty cool stuff. Like I don't, I don't see anything wrong with it. And they were like, so you want to join? And I was like, 
oh, like I, I, I thought it was a normal conversation. I didn't expect him to be like, so you ready to sign on the dotted line and give your life away? And I was like, wait, what? Um, but the, um, and everything, what they kept saying was, um, so why can't you? You know, and I was like, oh, I want to go to school. I want to do this. I want to do that. And they were like, well, you can sign up to be a reservist. And then you do that for a year, take a year off of school. And then you can go, you know, straight to college after that and still do your reserve time for six years. And I was like, well, I don't really want to take a year off of school. And then they're like, well, you can do boot camp this summer. And then for the next three summers, you can do your um, combat training one summer. The next summer, you'll do your specialty training. Um, and I was like, oh, I don't really want to waste three summers of my life, you know. So I kept, you know, giving them excuses, which, you know, if you're listening to this, you're probably like, well, those are stupid excuses, you know. And at the time, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm 17. Like, I'm, I'm at the top of the world. Um, and they were still like, well, why can't you? If it wasn't for that, why can't you? And I was like, uh, I don't know. Um, but the major driving factor besides them saying that and me wanting to be like, yeah, you're right. There's no other reason. I guess I should do it, you know, was um, my brother were twins, like I said. And we have we've like never really spent any time apart. Um, so we have really this close, close bond that's basically unbreakable. Um, and up to that point, we spent a week apart. He did like a, a cadet academy for like one of the police stations around here. And he, um, he, he was already, he already signed up and I was like, well, I don't want to go without my brother. So that's what I ended up doing. I was like, he's doing it. I might as well do it too. You know, like at least I know somebody, right. I don't have to go completely alone. So that was basically my driving factor to, to signing on that dotted line. Um, and then my, I think I talked to the guy for three hours, you know, that, that day and just signed my life away, you know, um, so that's where it brought me going, joining in, and my dad came and signed for us, and that was it. That's basically how I joined. One day, you know, three hours changed my life. <laughs> it's wild too, because like think about it, like you're the, you said you were the kid that, you know, kind of like, you know, top of the world, a little bit of ego, like kind of did your own thing. And, you know, three hours later, you're joining a very disciplined military organization. When when you joined the military, did you get like a reality check quick? And if you did or didn't, like, how was the experience going into it with that, the mindset that you had prior to it? Or did it switch? Um, well, I mean, I'm on the top of the world. Like, I thought, like, I had everything planned out. Like, I wasn't right. really happy, but I had a little a little bit of ego, like you said, because I played football. And football players, that's just, you know, who, who we are and stuff like that. But I quickly became, like, I was like, oh, what are the standards and yada, yada, yada. Um, I just had my shoulder rehab from an injury from football. And, like, my mindset was just to be better than my brother. You know, he was training for it. Um, so I decided to train for it. And I just wanted to be better than him. You know, I just wanted to be like, well, Marines are the best at everything they do. And I should be the best at everything I do. And be able to be physically prepared for everything that life's going to throw my way. So I, that's when I started running every day. Um, I, I would work out twice a, twice a day, actually. So we ended up moving to Boston. I would get up in the morning at, like, 5 o'clock. I go to the gym with my dad, work out, go home, um, make breakfast, kind of wait around all day, play some good, play some music, and then in the afternoon I'd go for like a two and a half, three mile run to prepare for it, um, and that put me at the top. To, you know, at the time my best shape ever heading into boot camp, um, and I just I just wanted to be the best. Like that's kind of where my I guess my ego took me. Uh, in a sense, it took me to being like I'm not going to be a scrub, you know. And out of our recruit a recruiting station, there was me, my brother, and then one kid that I knew um, that ran track as well. Um, from He was from a, a different city. Um, the three of us were the top recruits coming out of that station. Like, physically, we were the, we had the best, um, we had the best times for the run. I think I was coming third. I think I, my brother beat me most of the time, except uh, a few, it was really close. Uh, but it would be the three of us. Like, even the recruiters would be like, hey, Ramachi, uh, Ramachi A, Ramachi B, like going at it, like you guys better not come in last. Like they know that, you know, they call it putting out, you know, like you put your best effort, you know, forward. Um, and that's what we did. Like it was just a good competition and I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be the worst out there. You know, I, I was like, that was kind of my ego kind of emerged or evolved into being the best at anything physically because I'm in the Marine Corps and that's what they're known for. Like no one knows of a Marine and like, oh yeah, he was a weak Marine. No, they, with, with that type of arms, like, they're, you know, they're, they're kind of badass and, you know, they, they can do anything. Like, I don't know how many times I think I've told someone I'm a Marine and they, you can see it, um, 
either get a couple of things. Either they're like, oh, um, okay, like they don't like the military, or they're like, wow, like, oh, my uncle was, and then they're like, now, and then it be, ends up being like an excuse for everything. Like, because you're good at something physically, they're like, oh, it's because you're a Marine. It's like, well, even if I wasn't in the Marine Corps, I'd still be a physically fit person. Yeah, it, it's one of those things. I Like, even when you say it too, my first reaction is, um, like, you hear Marine, you're like, badass, dude. Like, boot camps, everyone sees the TV shows or the, all these different things that people are on and just, like, going through, like, all those brutal, like, you know, workouts and everything along those lines. Do you think, like, having your brother there, was that, like, huge for you to, like, keep pushing that competitive edge, kind of? And, and if, if it did, like, were you side by side with him or are you guys in, like, different units or how did that work? Um, so, okay, another story off of that is, so we went in together. Um, we did everything, win the maps. We, we actually in the same unit. Um, and he was going to get meritorious promoted out of boot camp. So instead of being a private, he would be a PFC because he brought me along. So that was kind of his incentive. Um, but probably about, I think about three to four weeks in, I think it was about three weeks in, um, and we got the news because we were down there same platoon and everything. Um, and we were told, my brother was told that he had, like he couldn't, he couldn't keep going. He had some type of, um, illness, like blood illness or whatever. Um, so he couldn't, he couldn't finish sadly. And I was, I was given the news shortly after they brought me into the, um, drill instructor's hut. Um, so it's basically the little, like basically little room that they have. And they told me, and like that shattered me. Like, I think I was, I was in tears. Like, and at this point, you're not, you're basically a robot. You're not supposed to show emotion. It's yes, sir. No, sir. Um, you don't do anything unless you're told basically. It is just basically as tough as they, they tell you. Um, and this is like the first point I saw drill instructors were like, they were okay. They're like, it's okay to cry. Like something like this happened to like, my, one of them told me something happened like that to his dad. And like, I like turned away. So I was like at attention when they're, when they're, when they're talking to you. And I got the news and I started like crying. Like, I couldn't even hold it back. And I tried, I looked away and the drill instructor was like, it's okay. Like, I get it. It's, it's, it's totally normal. And they talk to you like a real person. Like, yeah, at the time they seem like they're the devil and they're, they're just going to kill you the entire time, but they're, they're real people. And they even gave me the option to go home. They were like, um, they're like, we totally get it. If you want to go home, this is your chance. Like, there'll be nothing against you. You won't be looked down upon. Like everyone will understand in the unit, you know, in the platoon. And I was like, no, I'm not going home. Like, I don't, it wasn't even like a second guess. Like I wasn't, there's was, even though that happened and that crushed me at the time, like I wasn't, I wasn't going to give up, you know, like I, that's, that's like something that most people would be like, yeah, I, I'll go. Like I only came really for you, but I'll go because you left. And it wasn't, you know, I, I saw him, I think like a week before he left, he was still part of our unit and I gave him a hug and he's like, yeah, don't, don't give up or, you know, whatever. Um, just keep going. And it was sad. You know, everyone saw us like crying or whatever hugging it out and Joan Sharp just let it happen um, because it was such a tough situation. And eventually he left our platoon and probably like a week later, it was just funny. I think I was, I was getting my hair cut. So they basically give you a zero cut. So you look like you got no, you just look dumb because you have no hair on you. <laughs> right. And then uh, I see him, he like taps me on the shoulder. I'm like, I think it's the drone sucker because you're like scared for everything. And it's him. So I give him a hug. The drone sucker let it happen. Like they like brought him over specifically to say goodbye before he, he, he um, loaded up on the plane and uh, left uh, Paris Island. Um, but that really like, if that any, that anything like helped me, you know, um, really just be like, yeah, if anything goes wrong, you can, you still keep pushing, you know? Um, so I ended up being like a squad leader. I got meritoriously, meritoriously promoted actually out of boot camp. So what he should have had, I had. And that really made it all worth it. And everybody was really supportive, even in the, in the platoon. They were all like, hey, your brother was a badass. Like, he was, you know, if it wasn't for whatever reason he got kicked out, like, he would have made it. I was like, yeah, there's no doubt he would have made it. Um, but, you know, I'm left, so i got to keep I got to keep pushing on. You know, that's what he would have wanted. That's what I want to do. Um, so, yeah, it even – my mindset even changed from that. Like, you just keep going through all the hardships. Like, life's going to be hard. But that's kind of the point, you know, um, pressure creates diamonds and you want to be a diamond. You don't want to be a, a piece of coal, you know. Um, so, so, yeah, that's basically how that ended up being. Where did you get that? Where, or how you want to word it is, where did that mindset kind of come from? Was that, you know, you had like an interesting childhood growing up. But where do you think that mindset where you're just like, you know, it almost didn't seem like you were phased by a lot of things. Like you got emotional with your brother, but 
you know, you, you just kind of take things with a grain of salt and you keep pushing to get better and you're instantly competitive and you're trying to be the best. Cause I think a lot of people maybe are very insecure of, you know, being uncomfortable in situations or, or maybe hold themselves back. You know, it seemed like everything was a challenge to you. Do you think that was something you instilled at a young age or that, you know, if they picked up at a young age or maybe as you got older, that's something that, you know, you kind of picked up. No, that's a, that's actually a really good question. I can't tell, I can't, I couldn't pinpoint like one, situation like in particular but i don't know um my childhood was, was tough like my father was really absent um and the fact that he was always working um and being adopted that that was also another thing like going to the foster care system like i think those kids are just bred differently um and i never had a mother so my father was never there it was just me and my brothers the three of us so the four of us total um so it was just us to fend for ourselves like i learned a lot of things early on I learned a lot of life lessons early on like you know, my father's never there, so I have to fend for myself. Like, I learned how to cook, clean, do my own laundry. You know, no one was there really accounting for me. It was just me and my brothers accounting for ourselves, basically. You know, we're basically like four roommates growing up. Um, the only thing he would account for is, like, grades. So the only thing I would do is make sure I got good grades. But other than that, most of it was, like, I guess a, point, a part of me wants to, like, stand out. And that's why I stand out, by doing the uncomfortable and and being the best at whatever it is I'm doing or trying to be the best at whatever it is I'm doing and always working hard. Um, and I think that's where I got the hard working kind of from like him not being there gave me something, you know, um, so that, uh, that also built up a lot of walls in me, but that built up the, the kind of confidence that I needed to be out there and do what I needed to do. Um, it taught me that really no one, no one's going to be there for you. Even the people that should be, you know, like your family, aren't always going to be there for you. The only person at the end of the day who's going to be there for you is you, you know? And it comes down to a question, are, are you going to disappoint yourself? You know, and I always answer with no. You know, I never, I never want to disappoint myself. I think that's like the worst person to disappoint. Not your parents, not your friends, but yourself. And I think that's something that throughout life, I just kept, it just kept ringing in my head, like, I'm not going to disappoint myself, you know? I mean, I could, could I have done better in school? Yes, did I disappoint myself? Not really. I knew school wasn't going to get me to where I wanted to be. I knew it would get me to somewhere, but it wasn't going to get me with athletics, you know. Um, but, yeah, that, I just don't ever want to be disappointed. And the biggest thing is I don't want what ifs. You know, I don't want to be 40 or 50 and tell my kids, like, well, I could have done this career path or I could have joined the military. Like most people say, like, oh, I almost did. Well, why didn't you? And they're like, ah, I don't know. I want to be like, I did it. You know, right. I, did, I did that. So it really stemmed from – absent father I guess um and just being on my own since I was officially on my own probably like 15 because he really wasn't there at that time but really being eight years old because I was adopted it's just he's there he's not there well I got to do it now you know um if that answers your question yeah no I mean it's it's one of those things it's always an interesting debate and I and I hear like all these people talk about their circumstances and and what they go through, but there's a correlation that I always see. And from people that I listen to that talk about it, it's, you know, it's when you don't have a lot growing up or you're going through a lot of hard times, like in that moment, it's got to be brutal. Like I can't relate to that aspect because I have, you know, my mom and my dad are still dating. They're, you know, they're still married. You know, they were very close growing up with me financially. They were atrocious. So there was a different side that, you know, um, we dealt with financial crises and things like that, but they're always loving, caring in there. But I think, for me, you know, like you grew up at a young age and had to grow up and a lot of values were instilled in you. And I'm sure there's tough things you go through, but growing up, it's almost like you're ready to take on the world more. Like you're ready, you're, you know, to take on different experiences and you, you have, you gave yourself no option almost to just survive. And it's either you're going to give up or you're going to just crush it, you know? So I feel like there's, it's as hard as those times are, there's a lot of positives that can come out of it as you get older um and it's it's interesting to see that because like you said me it took me a long time to grow up you know it took me I grew up at a younger age but like at the same time like I just I had the the comfort my family never pushed me to be uncomfortable so I went to college after like four years of not going because I was never pushed you know so I had to kind of learn on my own eventually where you just kind of got thrown into it so you know I commend you for just getting through it and just kind of always trying to get better and you know it's crazy how how life works and how different, a, you know, someone's life can be from someone else's and how that can impact you moving forward. Um, Cause when we met like super mature at a young age, you know, 
you know, and, and I think a lot of it's because you had to deal with these things growing up. Um, and even our talk before getting on, it's just like, it was nice to hear that because everyone else is a different mindset that sometimes is around. So, um, it, it's cool, man. And I, 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 I commend you for that. Just like keep pushing now. So you get out of the military, you know, your mind probably goes into some different directions, figuring out where you want to be. Um, what made you go to Springfield and kind of lean into the direction there? Or was that just, you know, I'm going to figure it out as I go. Um, I actually applied for Springfield College. I applied to four colleges, uh, AIC, UMass Lowell, Quinnipiac, and Springfield College. Um, and I just wanted to do PT. Um, so I, I, I didn't really have any help going through the college process. Um, it was just kind of like, you have to go to college. You know, most kids are told, you know. So I was like, oh, okay, I don't know really where I want to go. And originally I wanted to be a personal trainer because um, I love fitness. But my dad's like, that's more of a hobby. Um, and he's like, you should probably do like, physical therapy or something and I was like oh, oh okay like I don't really know what I want to do but I guess I'll do this so I searched the you know top schools around me for physical therapy and Springfield had like I think at the time a passing rate for the board exam for like three or four years in a row it was like 96 or 97 percent passing you know and I was like that's what I was focused on like I was like I want to go to the school that's going to help me uh, get a degree but also pass my board so I looked at AICs and they were kind of garbage at like 70 percent UMass Lowell was just, I knew they had the program. It was just a, a, like a fallback option. Quinnipiac, I didn't really want to go, but again, another fallback option. And every other school got to me first. I think AIC came, and I was like, oh, whatever. They gave me some money. And then UMass Lowell like, came back, and I was like, oh, whatever. I don't really care. And then um, Quinnipiac came, and I, I remember distinctly, like, the first thing I read was, like, congrats, you're accepted. Like, 60% of students pay full tuition. And I was like, excuse me? Like, I don't have money. You're like, I'm not, I'm going to pay for this, you know. Like, my father didn't help me out at all with school um, or anything like that or didn't help me really with anything. Um, so I was like, yeah, I'm not, uh, I threw that in the trash. I was like, I'm not going to Quinnipiac for 60 at the time, 60 grand a year. And then Springfield got accepted, and I was, like, super excited they got, like, to, you know, my dream school because um, I looked at it academic base. Like, I didn't look at it for anything else. I looked at it academically. I had PT, and if I didn't want to do PT, I had AT, and if I didn't want to do AT, you had, like, you know, exercise science. So basically, I had all the fallback options that I wanted rolled into one school. You know, and I got as soon as I got accepted, I threw in my deposit. I don't even think I looked at my financial aid package. I was like, yeah, boom, did it, signed. You know, and that's right before. That's after I joined the military. So I joined in March. I got accepted, I think, in April and May. Um, so I just deferred a year. Um, and actually, the first time stepping on campus was. September 4th of 2015, right right when I was moving in. Move-in day was my first day on campus. I've never seen it. You know, I lived in Western Mass my whole life, where Springfield's located, and I've never been on this campus. I never did a tour because I was away for training. I didn't do accept the students day or anything like that. My first day on campus was the first day to move in, NSO, and I just remember, like, I'm home. That was, like, my first feeling. I was like, okay. Like, I was just super excited to be somewhere um, at the time I was homeless. So that's what I was going through at the time. So I actually got kicked out as soon as I got back from military training. Um, it's, uh, it's a tattoo on my chest here. Um, and that's the date that I, I got kicked out. Um, and I remember that really, uh, really vividly. Those are really tough, you know, a few days before moving in. Um, but yeah, that, that going in, I remember Springfield's home and you know, you were there. Everyone says Springfield's home. It's a family, blah, blah, blah. And I was, I was in love the first day I was there, you know, moved in. I think I moved in with like a duffel bag. Um, I still have a duffel bag. It's a little duffel bag. It's like a regular gym bag, you know. I put in whatever clothes I could get, you know, from home and then got a taxi, drove in. I think I was, I think I drove into Inti and I was like, hey, is, is, is this, um, is this Massasoit? <laughs> and the lady's like, oh no, that's the one down there. I'm like, oh. Okay, and I walked, I walked my butt over, and I met actually met, I ran into my roommate um, at the time, and um, his, his helped uh, him move in right after I just I remember walking in, and I took my duffel bag, threw it on my bag, and was like, well, I guess I moved in. This is college, right? <laughs> um, and then my roommate came shortly after, and I helped him move in with his his mom and stuff. So he was the only person at the time that knew that I was homeless besides uh, my 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 twin brother, my older brother. Um, that was basically it. So he knew, because I had to tell him, I was like, if I'm going to live with you for, you know, the next year, um, I'm going to see you the most and everything like that. It's like, I feel like you should know in case, like, you know, I don't go home for break or I don't have as much stuff as all the other kids, you know, 
at the school because the school is very privileged. You know, that's how majority of the kids are. Um, so I thought it was right to tell him. Um, and his mother knew. I, I told the mother, I think, I believe. Um, and they were really accepting of it, you know, something that I didn't expect, but I wasn't, like, um, expecting a negative reaction. You know, they kind of were like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll take care of you. And I was like, oh, okay. So that was, a, that was a really good reassurance. He even gave me, like, one of his pillows because I didn't have a pillow to sleep on. I don't think I brought that. I think I brought, like, a, a comforter, sheets for the bed, and then clothes and some shoes, and that was, like, it. And I think I was going to sleep with, like, a rolled-up, you know, pair of clothes. You know, so that's how I ended up, like, discovering Springfield, more or less. So it must have felt like a, like a, you said it felt like home, you know, and especially what you went through growing up. It had to feel like a homey thing, like, this is my room, everyone's here, I got a roommate, like, you know, everyone's going through what I'm going through. It had to be, like, a, a nice feeling, and at the same time, like, a rewarding feeling to, like, be there. Yeah, it was. It was really just, like, you just know, you just have, like, this feeling, like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Um, and I hope everyone's had a feeling like that, but I, I knew it, like, stepping on campus, like I said, was home. Like, I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Like, I don't, I couldn't imagine myself being at any other campus. You know, it was small. There wasn't a ton of people. The classes were good. The professors were great. Um, but yeah, having, like, my roommate, like, really, like, made me forget about, you know, still being homeless, not having a family to go to, you know, not really worrying about the summer, like, what I'm going to do for summer housing and things like that. Um... So it was really good just to, like, kind of live, you know, I guess, for lack of a better word, like a fantasy almost, you know. And it was homie. I made a ton of friends. Our entire our entire floor got, like, really, really close. Like, we did, like, a Christmas card or something like that. Um, um, people thought my roommate was basically, like, my brother because we were always so close and we always would, like, goof around and, like, always be hanging out and things like that. So it definitely it grew to be a family for me for sure. So you, so you go through Springfield. You end up doing physical therapy, if I'm correct. And then um, you finish up through there. You know, uh, now, if you don't mind talking about, like, you know, as you get through Springfield and start to finish up physical therapy, what was your thoughts and in, in process after, you know, you went through that? Um, I actually didn't end up doing physical therapy. Okay. I didn't into the program. No, no, I didn't even say that. Um, I did sports biology and I actually just recently graduated. Um, I ended up changing my major again to um, – General a master science general studies with two minors in biology and athletic coaching. Um, but um, would you ask the experience going through the campus, right? Yeah, just your experience. So, like, you know, a little bit of your experience over like the you know the four years through there. But then also, you know, as you finished up, you know, you started getting to the field. Kind of, what'd you do when you got out of uh, out of Springfield? Um, yeah, the school was great. Everything about it. Um, not everything about it. Obviously, some things have changed, and I know where nowhere is perfect, but I definitely wouldn't have wanted to go anywhere else. I, I loved it. I made a lot of friends. I think I grew the most from freshman to my senior year, which was uh, this past year, and I don't even recognize my my freshman self. You know, I talked to one kid, and he told me, like, he met me at a party, and I was, like, really mean to him, but now, like, we're buddy-buddy, you know? So it's just, it's funny how, how much you can grow. Um, and actually found my passion through it all. And I knew this a little bit going into college was coaching. Like, I love track and field. And I was, like, always that kid that was, like, really obsessed with it. And I was really close to my coaches about it. Um, so my junior year, I did, like, a practicum and coach a little bit. Um, and even before that, I was already helping out my old high school with coaching. And I was like, oh, this is really fun. I like this. Um, and then as I became to graduate, like, I realized, like, this is a career path for me. Like, I uh, – this past year, I didn't um, actually the fifth year, so I didn't have eligibility for indoor season. So I ended up coaching the track team along with my uh, one of the assistant coaches and helped him out for a little bit, and that gave me a grasp. Like I think it was one weekend that I think the team was going to Ithaca, and I couldn't I couldn't get onto the bus because um, they couldn't take me, um, and I was like, oh okay, that's fine. And I saw him like loading up the bus, like it was Friday night, and I was like, I got like like sad. I was like, oh like. I miss this. Like, I, I don't, like, for me, it's like, what else do I do on a Saturday? And I spent so long, like, a Saturday was a track meet or I was training or I was with the team. And for me, I was like, okay, I don't really want to do anything else in this world but coach athletes. And I got the experience of coaching them during championship season, preseason, and just seeing them grow. And I was like, I want to be a college coach. So that, uh, that ended up pushing me to being, um, pursuing like a master's degree so I'm actually recently enrolled at Springfield College again um, 
for my master's um, in, a, in um, a master's in physical education with a concentration in advanced level coaching. So I'll actually be coming back. I'll be a grad fellow on the track team. So I'm officially on the coaching staff for the track team. So I'm super excited about that. Um, and, I'll, and I'll be coaching out wherever they need me. So I'm, that's going to help me, you know, kind of gear my path to, you know, setting my own lane to going to another university or another college, um, whether it be D1, 2, or 3, or N, uh, NAIA, um, something like that. So I'm very, that's where, like, um, that's kind of where Springfield has led me to kind of helping people and helping people through sport. And I, for me, the best way is through coaching them. Because I, I don't know anyone who's ever talked to whoever's, whoever's, who's ever been on a sporting team and not been influenced by a coach. Whether that coach loved the sport or hate the sport or gave them words of encouragement when they were down. Um, for me especially, I, I all my um, father figures came from sports, you know. So I... Um, for me, sports were a really like strong-held belief for me. Um, so that's where that's where the past kind of led me. I have a couple of coaching cer- uh, certifications already, so I'm like kind of ahead mo- of most people in my field joining, you know, master's programs and going into the field. So I've been coaching for a little bit now. Yeah, you seem so um, like driven and motivated on a day-to-day basis, and as we both know, it's something that you know doesn't just happen. Like. I'll say at times motivation can be bullshit because it comes and goes, but you just got to be driven and you got to have that accountability and that discipline that you have to work on every single day. What are some things that you do like on a day-to-day basis to build that discipline, to keep yourself motivated, to educate yourself like mentally or, you know, work on yourself physically every day? Um, well, uh, since Corona's come, I've been a little bit lazier about it, but that, that's for a different reason. But on a daily on a daily thing, it's just I love working out, so I have to work out every day. Whether it's a really hard lifting session, or really hard sprinting session, um, or something light like doing yoga, or you know doing a body weight circuit. Like for me, that's like my time to get away from the world. And I think everybody needs that, where mentally they can escape. Um, at the same time, working my body, and I'm trying to be healthy. You know, you got one body, so you got to treat it like a temple. You know. Um, that's where that comes from and also I don't want to fail you know not not the fear of failure but I want more you know kind of I'm kind of old school so I want more for my kids and that that kind of keeps me going in most most avenues in life is that I I have this picture in my head of what my life's going to be like when I'm 30 35 whenever I have a wife and kids um and what life I want to provide for them you know me being 24 now that's where my head's at and that's where it's been at since I probably entered college is that I don't want my kids going through, you know, going to the foster care system or ever worry about being homeless or ever worrying about, you know, having to pay for things, you know, or having to pay for things, you know, early on in life and not have a absent parent. And that's something that like drives me every day. Like I want, I want something better for them at the end of the day, you know? Um, so for me, that's, um, and that happened to do with, you know, whether I'm lifting or whether I go to work, you know, because I have to pay bills and like, I don't like doing nothing all day. That for me, it's like, it's harder for me to do nothing all day than it is for me to go work 10, 12, 14 hour shifts. Like I'd rather do that than sit around all day and be lazy. Um, I love to read. That, that keeps me, you know, stable because I know school's great, college is great, but it's not everything. You know, education's, you know, ever continuing. So I, you know, continue to read and Recently, I've been reading a ton. Like, I've just finished four books in the last, like, two months, you know. So I spend a lot of time reading now. And for me, that that helps me get to even better places, whether it's reading about coaching or reading about finance or reading about just life in general and how to be a better person. Because um, I think we can always be better than where we are today. So that, again, that's another driving factor for me as well. I, I think people have to realize that, you know, not only, you know, school, like you said, school is great. Everything's great. But like once you're done, that's like where life starts and you got the basic foundation of things now. And and to realize like there's so much more to than just school to, on top of it, whether educating yourself in the field you're in, whether it's that self-development and you're always working on yourself because, you know, if you're mentally not right, then your, your life's going to kind of be all over the place. And it's not worrying about the judgment of other people and focusing on what you want and there's so many factors that go on especially when you get out of school that you have to deal with and 
to the point of like self-development and, and judgment, um, I want to ask you a question. When it comes to like judgment, I'm, I don't know, obviously, your path is a lot different than mine, but we have a lot of things in common. But like whether it was growing up through college, going homeless, did you deal with a ton of like judgment from other people that maybe put you down or didn't support you or maybe thought you were, you know, what, even in the military, maybe they were like, what are you doing? And if, if you did deal with a lot of judgment, like how did you stay focused on what you wanted and keep moving forward? Um, did I receive a lot of judgment from other people? Not really. I was very lucky that um, I received support. Um, what I needed at the time was more emotional support than anything, even though I was homeless. Like, I'm not one to take handouts. And even if it's for a good reason, even if you gave me, let's say, $100 today and was just, was just feeling generous and was like, I don't need this money. I think you could put it to better use and just gave me it. I'd probably still turn it down and give it back. Like, that's just who I am. I don't like, I, for some reason, that's just how I've grown up. Like, I don't do it, no matter what it is, you know. I, I think at the end of the day, I think someone's going to come back and be like, hey, remember that time I gave you $100? Hey, now, now go help me rob this bank or whatever it may be. Like, they'll hold it against me, and that's not who I am. Um, but um, I think most of the judgment came from, um, I didn't tell anybody. The only people who knew um, that I, I was ever homeless was my roommate at the time, my brother, a couple members of my family, some people in the military, but they were always asking how I was, and they were always there for me. And... I had a girlfriend freshman year until my junior year or until my, the end of my sophomore year. And she was always really, you know, receptive about it. And we kind of never talked about it. Like I told her, that was kind of the big thing I had to tell her before we ever made it official. And she was really supportive of it. She was like, I can't believe that happened, yada, yada, yada. And that kind of made me like, okay, I want to continue on this relationship with her. So that's what I did. Her family didn't really know um, because I never told them. And I don't think she told them. Uh, but I think they had, like, an inclination about it. Like, they were like, oh, something's off or, like, whatever. I don't know. Um, so I stayed at their house a few times, um, like, during a long weekend or something like that so I could be with her more. Um, but I think a lot of judgment came from um, myself, you know. Um, not really self-doubt. You know, that creeped in sometimes. But most of the judgment, I was judging myself, like, um, kind of like, I can't believe this happened. And, like, just a lot of negative stuff that went through my mind when I was younger, when it first initially happened and it, um, I'm not homeless anymore, but at the time I was, like I was really like down on myself and like, I can't believe this happened. Um, so I, I kept from doing that. It's like, I don't want to be here. You know, I don't want to be in the position again. I feel, I feel kind of like a sore thumb and um, kind of a, a burden on people because I was homeless, you know, because I don't have everything the kids my age or the kids, you know, that I went to school with had, like, I didn't have a family like they did, you know, like, I didn't have all this, so um, I didn't want to be there. I wanted to be more like the kids I was going to school with. Like, I wanted to have a MacBook or AirPods or the new right. stuff that, you know, I couldn't afford, but I wanted it, you know, and I stopped judging myself, and I was like, well, I want to be like them, so I got to work for it. Um, but I, I was really lucky that most... I but I didn't tell anybody is because I didn't have a lot of judgment, you know? Um, I feel like if I told more people, I probably would have got a little bit more judgment. But I didn't tell most people, and most people don't know that about me because it's something I keep to myself. Like, it's not something they need to know unless they ask, you know? Um, so with you, so with you, do you think there, is, I think there's two different views on this, and everyone may be a little different, but um, I want, I'm curious how it worked for you. Do you think there's, for you, do you think there was value on keeping a lot of your goals and a lot of your privacy to yourself and just kind of like staying in your lane, doing your thing? Obviously, you were friends with people and you were really nice and kind, but keeping all your stuff to yourself and just staying very motivated to your goals to avoid the judgment? Because I know a lot of times, a lot of people, um, maybe like for me, like, and this has blown up my face before, just thrown everything I'm doing out there. I'm doing this goal. I'm going to school. I'm doing this. And then you can take a lot of heat, but then at the same time, you have pressure to have to do it. Do you think it was it worked really well for you, kind of keeping it very narrow and, and to yourself? Um, yeah, I think, I think it definitely helped me personally keep it all to myself. There was definitely ups and downs, um, but it definitely helped because uh, one thing I learned is like if you air everything out there, either people are waiting for you to fail at whatever it is you're airing out there, or people are waiting for you to succeed, but no one's really going to help you. Right. 
And I realized the difference between putting it out there and keeping to myself wasn't anything. You know, it was just people knew or didn't know. But at the end of the day, it was the same thing. No one was going to help me whether I told them I was homeless, I was struggling or whatever, versus if I kept it to myself. At the end of the day, it was still me versus me helping me. There was, there was no us, there was no we, it was just me. So that helped me going, you know, through it all. But the negative side was I kept it all in. All the trauma I went through as a child, um, growing up with my father, being homeless, like all that built up in me. And I found an escape through my relationship with my girlfriend at the time. And when that wasn't going well, um, it wasn't going well because of me. You know, like it, 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 uh, it, it kind of fell off a little bit and I ended up ending things with her. Um, and I realized like our relationship was great. I was happy. I never had a bad relationship with her and everything about it was awesome. I loved it. But there was so much going on with me that I internalized that it projected, it started projecting itself out into our relationship. So I had to work with me. So once that ended, I went through a couple other scares and then I found a counselor on campus and that helped me to tell somebody, you know, to project it out to somebody, you know, that um, I can put it out in the world, you know, but really only one person knows. Right. And I, I ended up getting really big behind, you know, mental health and, you know, taking care of yourself emotionally, you know, and spiritually. And that's going through the council helped me that helped me with that a lot. So that still was able to keep my privacy that I wanted as a person, but still be kind of taking this burden and this weight off of my shoulders by going to um, my counselor every every week. Um, and I've seen him for like three years now. Um, and I don't need him anymore because I've, I've gone through all the trauma and I've He's helped me through a lot, but I still go because he's, he's he's more of a friend to me now, you know, right. and I see like once a week and I enjoy it. You know, I go just to go because I'm like, I have some time. I, I want to hang out with you, basically. So right. that's that's how I, I still keep my privacy. Most people don't know it about me, um, but I'm still being I'm still pushing myself to get to that next level through it. Cool. No, I, I appreciate you sharing that because I think a lot of people, you know, holding some things inside, you know, to a point, to a certain extent can be valuable because you don't have to worry about other people judging you and worrying about other people pushing things on you. But at the same time, like you said, it's, it can be lonely not talking to someone and just getting it out and just putting it all out there. Cause you can't, and I've seen this and I've worked on it. It's happened to me is I have, I've had good relationships and I'm, I've ruined them because I'm just not happy with myself a lot of the time. So it's like, until you truly like love yourself and are happy with yourself, it's hard to make something else work because you can't find someone to make you better or like fix you. It's like, you just have to be happy being alone almost. And then that's going to enhance the relationship, you know, by having you together. So I appreciate that. I have two last questions and then we'll finish up. Um, if you could give advice going back a little bit, say six to eight years here, 16 to 18 year old self um, to help maybe start things off with a little bit more knowledge, what advice would you give your 16, 18 year old self? That's a, that's, a, that's a good question. There's a lot of advice I give myself, but um, just really step outside your comfort zone is what I would say. Um, and really don't worry about being on your own path and being by yourself because at the end of the day, I think that's helped me the most is being by myself um, and not worrying about what other people think. Because I think, um, especially in today's day and age, we care so much about what people care about, uh, what people say about us on social media and what our family thinks about us and what our friends think about us. But at the end of the day, for you to be successful, um, you have to be by yourself, you know, and you'll realize you lose the people who don't care about you and the people who do stay. And that's something that I would definitely tell myself when I was younger. I think that would have maybe, I probably still would have been where I probably still would have got to the point where I'm at now, but I probably would have got there faster. Yeah, I like that. I think that's great advice. And, you know, I think if we can stop judging ourselves so much and just doing our thing, you know, and whether it's staying on social media, off social media, just like just shutting off here and there and just focusing on yourself and those daily things like your reading that you do, your workouts that you do, you know, everything that's working on you on a day to day basis just to be better, you know, so um, last question. And I thought this one, even though, you know, I'm 29 or 24, we're still young. But I think I'm curious of where your mind goes when I say this. And this is with Impact Theory. He asks this question at the end of each show. Um, and it, you can take it any direction that you want. 
um, so it's kind of a bigger question is what kind of impact are you trying to have in the world? trying to have in the world can be anything you want it could be small it could be big it could be whatever wherever your mind goes i am i have my the impact i'm trying to leave i'm trying to leave is basically just help as many people as i can um whether it's one person ten people help somebody you know help someone who needs help you know um and just be there for people that's my big. That's my big thing. Is I want to be. I want to be that. I want to be able to be that person that's there for people. Even if I don't talk to you, or I don't know you. Like you could be a stranger on the street, and you could be like, "Hey, I need help getting my daughter to school." I'm like, "Okay, I can. I can be there for you." You know, I think everyone needs a person in their life that truly cares for them, and that's that's kind of my what I'm trying to leave is being a person that actually cares for people, no matter who you are, no matter you know, regardless of race, gender ethnicity it doesn't matter to me to me is more like i want to help you because that's the right thing to do you know to be a good person and i think in this world there's so many fake good people and with the movement going on right now black lives matter you'll see it people who are fake you know who are pretending to support the movement of what's going on in the world but in reality when the dust settles it's going to be the same people at the end that have always been there you know and instead of it being a million people now, it's going to go back down to the thousand of people that were already still fighting that same fight. You know, the people who really care. And I, I want to be a person that cares for people, who, whoever they are. Uh, it, it, like, if, if you can just be a good human, you know, it's, it's if we can all just be a good human and care about others and just focus on the basic things, everything would see so much better. You know, it's it's like that's something I care, I try to push a lot with the whole be kind and it's like if if you just are kind to everyone you see and to your point exactly just being a good person like trying to help anyone someone needs a phone call someone needs a text like checking in on other people you know put you know obviously you have to take care of yourself but I I, I challenged like a group of people the other day just to like hey I want you to for one week shoot a text to someone you haven't talked to in like five years or like shoot a call to someone and just be like hey how are you doing like how's it going. And I think like little things like that even can make such a big difference and just putting out positive energy and positive vibes and trying to, to do everything we can just to be nice to everyone, you know, and, and stop. Yeah. It's just, it kills me, man. Cause I think, I think a lot of people are good, but at the same time, you know, it, like you said, there are a lot of fake people out there that aren't staying true to this on a consistent basis and want to be part of something, but don't want to put in the work to do it. You know, it's tough. It's tough. So I, I appreciate you, man, coming on and, and sharing what you have. And I, I think, it, you know, whoever listens to this can can take a lot from it. And I think you're inspiring, man. I think, you know, I didn't realize the homeless side. I didn't realize, like, growing up with the foster care side. I know we briefly talked about stuff, but, like, it inspires me and motivates me knowing, you know, like, the mindset that you have now at 24 years old and the stuff that you went through. And you're, you know, how focused you've been and driven you've been and not let anything overcome and beat you down. And if it does, you're just like, let's go. Whether it was the military with your brother coming out of it. So I, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you coming on and telling your story. Hey, thank you for having me. I, I didn't think I would say as much as I said. So I definitely, I definitely appreciate you um, bringing me on. And I hope, like you said, someone takes something from this, whether it's one person, whether it's two people, um, that someone learned something that they didn't, they didn't know about themselves more than anything. Yeah, and that's what it comes down to. So if we can impact one person watching this or we can put a couple of clips up that's like, oh, wow, and maybe it clicks in their head, like they start doing more to better themselves or helping someone else. You know, that's all that matters, man. So um, till that being or that being said, till next time, everybody, chase discomfort, be kind. I'll see you guys there.